what's going on? Rob Cicerino back again to talk about another week of The Amazing Race on Rob Has a Podcast. Our first week back after the blip, 19 months after the last week of The Amazing Race. The teams return, some familiar faces, some old faces, and amazing race history was made when we saw Michael and Mo eliminated again from The Amazing Race. Here to talk about everything that's going on, we have first our chief Amazing Race correspondent, Jessica Lease is here. Jess, how are you? You know, Rob, I know it's only been a week, but it, to me, it feels like 19 months. So I'm happy to see you again. Good. Yes, it does uh, feel every day uh, an eternity. So, uh, yes. Uh, These happy- are the times we live in. <laughs> yes. Happy to have you uh, back here with us. And I, I'm uh, a little bit nervous right now to introduce. He's wearing layers, Rob. He's wearing layers. I don't like it. <laughs> the great Mike Bloom. This is like when uh, a drag race lip sync happens. I don't know if this reference plays another one of you. And you see someone like decked in all these layers like, oh, a reveal is happening. It is indeed factual. So it's not much, but. I am wearing for the occasion. I have worn a belt. Uh, there is <laughs> like no last week. story attached to it. Uh, and I did actually have a bit of a prop. I just have a routine to prepare for you. Oh, over the head, <laughs> under the legs. Here we go. Ooh, stir the soup. Stir the soup. Big finish. Oh, wow. Close. I, I think you're going to have to do it again, Mike. But, you know, there's a lot of stuff I like about Switzerland. And honestly, the flag is a big plus. <laughs> <laughs> Surprised Phil didn't make that joke. That feels now that we've talked exclusively with Phil Kogan mm-hmm. for so many podcasts, I am very surprised. I've checked out all the secret scenes. Nary has that joke been made from Phil Kogan. I'm, I'm shocked as well. That's right up his alley. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, well, let's uh, talk about the amazing race with Jess and I. Uh, just got done with our exit interview uh, with Michael and Mo. Finally, I uh, got the chance to talk with them. Uh, that is up as a standalone podcast in your uh, main Rob has a podcast feed. The video of that is also up on our YouTube channel at robhaswebsite.com slash YouTube. And we hope to bring you uh, exit interviews the rest of the way. Mike, did you get the chance to talk to Michael and Mo for Parade Magazine? I did Yes, if you're checking out uh, the podcast at this moment, which wouldn't make sense because otherwise I don't know why or how you're listening to this. But if you're just if you're joining from, us. You're, get that out of here. Uh, <laughs> it's one of my pet peeves. We talked about this last week. Uh, if you go to Parade.com right now, you should see my interview up with Michael and Mo. Really interesting. As you said, Rob, amazing race history. First time in a U.S. season that a team has been eliminated twice in one season. The Aussie in South Pacific of the amazing race, uh, the victor in BB 18 has officially happened here. Yes. It's interesting. Not the victor in uh, amazing race 31, right? Only eliminated once from that perspective. Uh, mm-hmm. But I'd say probably the most interesting thing to take away is according to Michael and Mo, you know, it wasn't the belt that, that got them eliminated that it seems like we had yet another for the third week in a row, another unseen task that may have actually led to the the, the second demise of this team. Yeah. I am coming in hot with this, Mike. I've got so many feelings about <laughs> oh, this. Okay. As, just as well, the cabbage too. Yeah, you and I just talked to Michael and Mo and they and they said, "Okay, yeah, this is what did us in that we had a speed bump. The teams that returned had to do a speed bump as if it was a non-elimination leg that uh, ultimately cost them the race. They had to and I for the life of me Cannot paint the mental picture of what this looked like of we had a huge guy. Michael was somehow in a 
giant ball of cabbage? Rob, I'm going to text you a photo. Okay. And almost like a survivor blindfold challenge that Mo was then directing Michael in what I could imagine as only like this uh, giant, rolling, green, leafy Raiders of the Lost Ark type sphere with Michael inside of it. Yeah, that that is the implication. So basically, think of it like a giant Zorb, uh, right? Which was seen often in some of those New Zealand legs, right? The giant plastic bubble that you get in. The task was that one team member had to get inside of this Zorb, which was completely decorated like a cabbage. <laughs> okay. I, no clue what cabbage has to do with Switzerland. Phil said that the Swiss are famous for many things, be it chocolate, <laughs> mountains, cheese. I don't know how far down on that list cabbage is, uh, but evidently what Michael then had to do was essentially bowl over several stacks of hay that were piled up in a field. But since obviously his view As was you opposite, would with a giant ball of cabbage. Listen, the pandemic has been having all of us do odd things. Maybe the Swiss have taken this up mm-hmm. as of late. And uh, as sort of the unseen bowling ball, Michael had uh, Mo had to be the bowler and essentially be able to guide. It's almost like that reverse, uh, the reverse of that famous challenge that Russell Swan ends up passing out in in Survivor Samoa, where instead of the person in the ball doing the calling, the person outside of the ball is doing the calling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, would you think Michael was the right person to put into the ball of cabbage? It's a good question. I think I'd want Mo because I'd want the lower center of gravity. Hmm. I yeah, don't know. You know. According to Michael, the only reason he took it is because it was, I think it happened right after the roadblock. And so he said, okay, Mo, you did that one. You just climbed a whole ass mountain. Don't worry. I'll take care of it. And <laughs> Michael this. himself admitted in true Akbar style, big mistake. Uh, <laughs> this was not the thing that I should have done. Yeah. Okay. So, so uh, this was kind of, but just that I, I feel like that this sounds like that this was uh, compelling. I mean, wouldn't you want to see Arun in the giant ball of cabbage? 100%. Assuming I, it was him. Yeah. I want to go back to the, the reality star season of Amazing Race had one leg where there was an unaired head to head at the end of the leg where it mixed up the order of every team. And so people were landing on the mat in such a way that we watching the show had no idea why this person jumped up six places. And these people who were towards the front were now in the back. And why did these people get eliminated? The show just was like, eh, I don't know. They were walking to the mat and some of them didn't get to the mat. Too slow. Too slow. And I hate this. I hate this. If there's a task that is going to significantly impact where someone lands in the order, we need to see it. We need to know why. And I know, you know, I'm not an editor. It is up to the amazing race to decide what stories they want to tell and how, but watching the show, I watched it last night and then I watched it back again today. There was really nothing remarkable about Michael and Moe's performance that would have led us to think they were going to lose. And they confirmed it. There was nothing, Mm -hmm. you know, in their regular performance, they would have been fine. They would have been fourth or fifth, but this this shook it all up. This put them in the back of the pack, and I I really hate that we weren't allowed to know why. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mike, do you have any theories on uh, why why you do it that way? 
I mean, it's it's a couple things. You know, one of the reasons why it seems like they're not showing a lot of these on-air tasks is either if it doesn't go over properly, like we talked about the giant metal slide from the first leg, or if they feel like it doesn't change anything up, at least in a huge, meaningful way of like, oh, this made a team finish last. Maybe they don't... That's the problem, though, Mike. It does change it up. Yeah. I don't mind. If it doesn't change it up, like, who cares? Don't show it to me. Don't care. But this one does. This one did, and that's what makes me mad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I wonder, is the implication that they don't want to saddle the blame onto this task that couldn't be helped? Because, like you said, it's a speed bump, but they didn't... I mean, they got eliminated previously, and so they were forced to complete this. So it's almost mm-hmm. like, well, you lost because you lost beforehand. You yeah. are now automatically disadvantaged. Mm-hmm. Well, right. Is it like where... Is the race trying to go so in the opposite uh, other direction of, say, like a survivor edge of extinction, where, okay, we're bringing these people back, but we want to disadvantage them so much because we do not want to potentially have winners who were eliminated from the race early so we're going to make this as hard as possible for them because i have to say like coming into this conversation i was a little bit saying to myself like see i guess whatever happened happened it's survival of the fittest out there the teams that the teams that were at the back of the pack before all this look at it they're at the back of the pack again because uh i guess you know maybe it's just the cream is rising to the top and and it's going to happen no matter how many times you bring people back yeah it's just like Self-appointed Darwinism. But yeah, as it, as it turns out here, like production might have thrown something in. Who's to say, you know, they could have still finished in last, but it did seem like from what Michael and Mo said, and eventually we'll talk with Aruna and Natalia about it as well. Just with the self-driving and how lost you could get, the idea of just throwing in another task in general probably adds a large amount of time to the point where, to Jess's point about asking, answering, for example, how the hell did Akbar and Sherry go from an incredibly distant seventh to fifth, now we know the reason why. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do wonder, did the other teams uh, protest at all? Of Like, hey, they, they, they were eliminated. What, how come they're going to start the same as, as us? It does not sound like that was the prevailing sentiment. It seems to me that everybody was just so jazzed to be back there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as Michael and Mo said, they all had a group chat. They were all becoming incredibly close. I think, I think everybody would have been happy to see anybody from their season back again, whether or not they'd been eliminated before. Mm-hmm. I think maybe that changes if like Aruna and Natalia come back and win the whole race. You could see people being salty about that. But mm-hmm. honestly, I think that would be an amazing story. Mm-hmm. If yeah. you thought you thought your race was over, you get to come back and it plays differently from like a Chris Underwood situation because there's a lot of things that can go wrong in the amazing race that are out of your control. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's not like everybody else didn't decide that you were going to be eliminated. It was like the world, like the universe conspired against you. And now you get to overcome that. You get a do over and you get to come from behind and win. That's like, again, we have to top last season's amazing finish. This is one another way we could do it. Mm-hmm. That that being said, you know, all this talk about the, the, the speed bump, obviously a bit of a blight on what I thought was an episode that was very good. Uh, This was my favorite episode of the season by far. And I think for me, it is, you know, when I spoke with uh, Bertram Van Munster and Elise Dogonieri beforehand, they had really said, when we come back post blip, there's going to be much more of an old school feel to it. And Jess, I don't know if you agree or disagree, but I completely co-signed that statement now between 
doing a lot of tasks outdoors between the tasks, you know, between like the, the big landscape climbs felt very old school, amazing race, even if it felt a little linear between, you know, the tasks that felt more culturally oriented than what we saw in, in London and Scotland. It feels like, you know, sometimes create creativity is created under the most pressurized circumstances. And I do wonder if this is a harbinger speed bump, notwithstanding of what's to come on this reboot of the amazing race 33. It actually makes me, pretty excited for what's to come from a production perspective. Yeah, it was really a lot of fun. And it was, I think you felt that energy of everybody thought that maybe the amazing race was never coming back ever. And it was dead. And the fact that, you know, it's such a gift to be back here and be able to finish out the race. I think there was so much joy in that and that came off the screen. And then these tasks did feel very much like the old school, especially I think the self-driving helps a lot too, because yeah. that did, you get a little bit more of the traveling from place to place, which recent seasons have not tended to want to show you much of. Yeah. I really thought that this was uh, a very exciting episode. And it's almost like if you would have had it backwards where it's like uh, that, I would have believed that the tasks that they were doing before the blip were more like the tasks that you would see, like, all right, we're just trying to do this, like, uh, you know, this COVID going on. Uh, I thought they had much more ambitious tasks uh, this week. Did the yeah. extra time make them reevaluate a lot of their priorities vis-a-vis -vis the race? Because I could buy that. I mean, could mm -hmm. be possible. I know that certainly was the case with Survivor, right, where it allowed them to sort of rethink their approach to everything. I mean, what I would believe is just happenstance circumstances of, to be honest, doing things outdoors. I think that makes a big difference. Obviously, they wanted to do that at the time due to exposure about, hey, if we enclose people inside for big portions of time, that's going to drastically increase the chance that we have to shut down again. So let's do things outdoors. And I think it was helped this episode by the fact that we have these incredible vistas of Switzerland. You know, we've been to Switzerland a good number of times and there's a reason for it is because you have these like beautiful rolling mountains and scenic fields where you can knock down hay bales in a giant cabbage uh, and i think they were able to really take advantage of that as opposed to again these first three legs felt a little more cramped mm -hmm. right it was all in one city you were constantly going from building to building doing things which felt a little more scavenger hunty than the amazing race this felt more like The Amazing Race. I'm thinking back specifically to seasons like season three that were very Eurocentric and involved much more of exploring these wide open landscapes and driving yourself from task to task. Yeah, there's definitely no no vibe of the amazing corporate challenge to any of this. <laughs> like your, your office isn't going to make you go do these things and that I appreciate. Right. Uh, I'd love to talk a little bit about how the show uh, came back. And, you know, I know we saw a lot of this at the end of the episode last week, but I, I did think that we would probably get like a little bit more of a uh, look into what was going on over the 19 months, uh, specifically uh, some wrap up for the four teams that didn't come back uh, and basically we just sort of uh, I don't even think that they were uh, shown uh, on the screen did we get like a, a flat uh, like a quick glimpse of them they were shown but not told mm -hmm. um, both from the reasoning and their names were not even dropped uh, <laughs> so you can imagine Phil maybe took like a moment of silence for them in the moment while doing his ADR and then moved forward so yeah, I mean, I, I think we, we talked last week about whether or not we would see follow up on them, even a message at the end of the episode being like, hey, guys, it's us, Connie and Sam. We're doing just fine. We have a baby. Uh, but nope, 
that's that's not the case at all. So we are left to sort of our own vices. Look it up if you don't. Uh, if you want to find out more information about both the good and bad that has happened to these four teams, uh, we talked about this on the tar pit as to these teams may come back in a future season if the Amazing Race, uh, you know, wants to extend that invitation. But otherwise, uh, you know, rippers to these four teams. They are now sort of away from the season and away from the airtime. Yeah. Jess, were you surprised that we just uh, got right back into it and uh, didn't really uh, spend uh, too much time in terms of like uh, what the returning teams were up to or what the teams that are not returning, uh, why they're not here? I mean, I think when we talked about this last week, the two of you were much higher on the possibility of this happening than I was. And I gave them I, I made it, it was wishful thinking on my part. I wanted to know what was what what they were up to i wanted to have it explained and instead they just sort of treated it like these four teams have been eliminated although it was more like they self-eliminated um mm-hmm. i i'm not sure how we describe that i don't know how we describe that in elimination terms but i i guess it really in, in some sense i think it's better that we're not going to lean hard on it we're just going to say okay we're back into it this is your happy place amazing race i think is all of our happy place and we don't necessarily want to have the rest of covid creeping in on it as much as we possibly can so maybe it was the right decision to just you know let these people not be on the amazing race anymore and let the actual race happen Mm -hmm. As far as other uh, things that were maybe different from expectations, uh, I I think that I probably thought, okay, well, we're not going to be inside at all uh, for the rest of the race. But Mike, lo and behold, uh, we had a challenge which looked like it took place uh, in a gymnasium. Yeah, I mean, a gymnasium is a fairly wide space not to say that a gym is not a a very lit place in and of itself. We all went to public school. We know you know, the germs that are spread in, in those spaces. Uh, but yeah, it, I mean, I think it's also helped by the fact that at the time, every single person that we saw in that episode, be they racer or non-racer, was vaccinated and tested as well. So I think that also helped, sort of helped hedge their bets a bit of, okay, even if we have to go inside, uh, at least in this capacity, you know, we'll be able to have wider spaces. It's not going to be a cramped back room of a bar. And the people that we're interacting with should be, as safe as possible going back to the intro that phil did you know we were also wondering are we going to do check-ins of what has your life been like uh in the interim and we got a few i was intrigued by the elimination of several people catching up which we'll certainly get into but you know we really got a reflection uh both i guess the humorous and the serious about what life has been like these past 19 months yeah it was uh probably akin to like survivor 41 style of that we got a little bit of like by way of flashback to different people like talking about their backstory to see some of the things uh that took place uh mike yeah it's like lost yeah, I mean, I was waiting for those those timpanies to come, and I use their. I know they're using Amazing Race in very different ways, but yeah, we really ran the gamut, right? Where it goes from Ryan being like, eh, "Same old, same old," you know, <laughs> same cell, different places, uh, <laughs> to like, you know, I lost my job, I lost my grandmother, so it, it hits people differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just we also uh, wondered. Okay, well, here's a giant guy with a boulder. Well, that's going to be it for greeters on the mat because uh, no way we're going to you know, let somebody stand next to Phil. But lo and behold, again, greeters. I mean, they're outdoors. 
They're outdoors. Tra- risk of transmission's minimal. I'm sure they were vaxxed. I, I was happy to see greeters. I was surprised as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would have to say, if you just showed somebody this episode of The Amazing Race and like cut out like the first five minutes, I, I don't think that anybody would know that this was an Amazing Race episode that was, uh, you know, under any sort of different circumstances, Mike. Yeah, and that's the point is that I think to Jess's point of this being their happy place, they really wanted this opportunity to say the race is back. It's a show that we know and love. Let's keep it that way. And not to say that, you know, escapism is necessarily something that is like all good. You know, there are certainly ways to acknowledge those real world situations. You certainly talked about this with Survivor 41, about how you were surprised there wasn't more talk about the outside world. But I think especially as television viewers, you know, people are looking to escape, especially in The Amazing Race, where it's always about being that sort of, you know, I guess, third member of the team, right, sitting on the shoulders of these people who get to travel the world from the comfort of your own couch. And so I think being able to embody that uh, and to be honest, have a more spread out leg than even the pre-COVID legs is awesome. And I think it portends well for should we be in a situation this coming summer where the world does not necessarily look incredibly better i could easily see them film a very similar type of structure to the race for season 34 and they're they already put out the casting notice uh it seems like all systems are go for this ratings have been good and so just i know again we're going off of one leg of the race and that's a very small sample size but for me if this is an indication of what amazing race 2.0 for example, might look like. I'm personally fine with it. Again, I really enjoyed this episode. Yeah, I think the biggest takeaway is that it doesn't look uh, that different than uh, whatever Amazing Race version we were on right before this. No, it looks very, very similar. I, In I'm fact, gonna be, it was better. <laughs> I think it was a lot better. Yeah. I, I'm going to be surprised if we note any major differences. I think we're looking for them right now, but mm-hmm. I don't think... Yeah. If, if they keep up the way they're doing it, I don't think we're going to feel like we're in some kind of weird, like right. post-COVID dystopia trying to run a feudal race. Yeah. You know, honestly, I, I was a little surprised also that people were stopping like randos for directions and stuff like that, because I feel like that when we spoke to Phil during Tough as Nails, that I feel like that there was like strict protocols of like, OK, we're bringing in a person who's going to ex- explain something and he has to be on a different boat. He's not allowed near our yeah, cast. Rupert Lee was on a roof. Like, yeah. Yeah. Because uh, I guess that was a bubble. And this is obviously like uh, a very like. Uh, uh, this is, you know, you can't bubble the amazing race, uh, although you could put it in a giant ball of cabbage if you wanted to. <laughs> and uh, I was really surprised that they were, you know, allowed to just go talk to, you know, random people on the street. Well, during the time in which this was being filmed, it was kind of a we had a relatively fallow period for cases and everybody was always outdoors. I think that's the thing that. I think this, that's the thing that we were told, especially like everything pre Omicron mm-hmm. was like. If you're outside, you should be fine. Okay. And so I think we didn't see anybody like going into somebody's house and like getting up in their face and asking for directions. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's it's a different thing. And I think you're going to need to have them be able to do that or yeah. you will risk some very bad things happening. As long as you're not like, hey, sir, can I use your phone and also lick it? Uh, I think, you know. <laughs> I, I think that they, they might be fine. And if they're doing a lot more self-driving, it could also be something where they're like, you know, asking from the car yeah. as well. Again, you know, at a distance. The, the, only, the only thing I honestly noticed that made it to me 
post-pandemic was the fact that it, you see them run around with masks on, mm-hmm. uh, which, again, is we are. So I think in the gondola, we saw them uh, wearing their masks. Yeah. And so at that point, like, we're, but I think we're also conditioned to masks that like it was one of those things that took me a bit of pause because, again, it's become normalized to me to like, oh, yeah, they're wearing masks. Yeah, okay. I didn't even notice. It's like mm-hmm. that's a thing you do inside now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So sure. Okay, one other uh, little point about the details from this episode that I was hoping that uh, you two could explain to me. All right, last week we talked about uh, the the stick shift and then the steering wheel on the opposite side from the cars here in the U.S. Is Switzerland different than the U.K. in terms of... uh, So so how, how does this work, Jess? Mainland Europe drives on the right side of the road. Um, It's only Commonwealth countries that drive on the left side of the road, and it's not every Commonwealth country. I think it's like UK, UK, Australia, South Africa. I want to say, I want to say they also drive on that side of the road in Japan. And then of course we talked about going uh, when I went to the Bahamas and it was like, everybody drives on the right side of the road, on the left side of the road with the British, with the American cars. Mm -hmm. So I think I think it's really like mainland Europe. You're going to see people driving in a car that looks exactly like any car you'd find in the U S and it's not going to be a problem. And I was shocked by this. I thought, I think everybody was shocked by this because I'm sure everybody went home and started learning how to drive stick shift and amazing race is just going to troll them by being like, Oh yeah, by the way, this is your car now. And it's not a stick shift. I love that though. I love that idea if that is the case. Cause I, I mean, it's, it's tough. And Rob, you talked about this a bit during survivor 41, right? The sort of back and forth of, okay, do you put the same puzzles in every season and reward people who study, or do you change it up to put everyone sort of on the same playing field? And this is sort of in that category of the latter, right? Of like, okay, if you do the amazing race, you got to learn how to drive stick shift. Now it's like, ah, psych. Yeah, here's a swerve. (laughs) You don't need to do that. Now, that being said, who knows? Maybe they'll change it up sometimes and put at least stick shift cars in there. Uh, If not, you know, maybe they're still going to be driving on the right side of the road. But I don't know. I did find it kind of hysterical that they're like, all right, we got to prepare to do this. And they're like, sorry, this isn't a history <laughs> test. This is a science test. Yeah. You study for the wrong thing. Well, this reminds me a lot of when you give your passports to production to get ready for the race and they hand them back to you and they've got all these visas in there. And like four or five of the visas are for countries you're not going to go to. This is kind of the same vein as that. That's something they do? Mm-hmm. Oh, my oh, yeah. God. Um, <laughs> this is so, so uh, diabolical. Uh, but I, I do think that maybe part of this is also because they are going to have to drive so much that if somebody is good at stick, I, I don't know which team necessarily that would be. I, I know the teams that have struggled with it. Could it be such a big competitive advantage of that? It's not just in a leg where this comes up in the amazement or a leg or two where if this is over nine legs, like are basically are you down to maybe only two teams could potentially win if you uh, didn't make the switch to automatic transmission? I mean, it, it could be that, but I think if you're driving a car every leg of the race, everybody's going to eventually get better at it. I mean, it's, Driving stick shift is not, it's not like piloting the space shuttle. Mm-hmm. I think you can, you can learn it in a couple of afternoons. So I don't think it necessarily, it's like, you know, one seventh of these teams actually practice the thing and they're going to get rewarded for it by winning the entire race. You know, there's a, the best amazing races have a variety of tasks in them so that you aren't just like 
having a couple of teams steamroll over everybody else. And there's not one factor that makes the team win. You know, we can't, we can't always conclusively point to why X lost, for instance. Well, and the other thing in terms of competitive edge, I don't think we even need the driving because from my perspective, Mm -hmm. I know we are four legs in, uh, but I think we could tell the top three. (laughs) Well, there's that. Yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All right. Let's talk about the actual tasks that went on in uh, this leg of the amazing race. And so uh, our teams needed to uh, then uh, get to a cable car. Uh, and uh, ultimately uh, climb 8,000 feet. Yeah, this was a, this was an odd thing where I like the fact that we actually got a proper starting line, which we were sort of deprived of with the at-home start from yeah. Phil, uh, where everyone got to take off running. I did love the scrambling of, oh my God, we need to get to the bus. Little bit of a nothing burger, though, when it turns out that all, it wasn't, you know, like we've seen previously in The Amazing Race, you know, three different timed wasn't buses. Wasn't public transit, yeah. It was it was more so like hey we had to separate these into three different buses but they're they're all sticking together to make sure everyone gets to the gondola at the same time. Yeah, I'll tell you my favorite thing about this task, and it was something they had no control over, so they just kind of had to lean into the irony of it. Phil is introducing the task, and he's standing on top of the mountain, and he's saying like these are some of the most spectacular views in all of Europe, and the entire thing is just missed behind him. <laughs> like he couldn't see ten feet in front of him. Yeah, uh, you're just taking Phil's word for it. Oh, six countries, really? Yeah, yeah believe you, I believe you, Phil. They're out there. Mm-hmm. You could have claimed there were 12, and we wouldn't be able to, like, oh, there's Australia, and look, there's Antarctica over there. We're like, all right, I guess we'll we'll take your word for it. We don't, we can't see anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, did uh, you see a difference in any of the teams uh, after uh, a return uh, after 19 months? Well. Uh, Raquel and Kayla changed their hair. Yeah. And their job. Yes. And their job. And their job. Yeah. Uh, I thought that that uh, Penn, to me, seemed like that uh, he seemed uh, he changed his hair to a little shorter. Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. But I, I seemed like that, uh, like, uh, like he came back in better shape. I mean, they said on their podcast that that he is a runner. Yeah. So he runs many miles a day anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have not yet gotten a chance to hear uh they were going to say about this week's episode, but I would imagine there's going to be quite a segment about what they did to prepare to come back because, you know, that's the one team that assumed they would. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Uh, I know. I think Sherry got her haircut as well. And actually in terms of Akbar and Sherry, cause I think we talked with them a bit about like, they felt overwhelmed by the physicality of the race that they improve upon it. Uh, there's a secret scene, which I'm a little sad that they didn't show because they were one of the few teams we didn't check in with as to what happened during the pandemic which you would imagine is a little odd considering that they are educators, but it appears they were still not only like running the program, but I think really amping it up. Uh, they of course had to like remove lights on with uh, the, the sort of elimination of the school year proper, but then they started like a grab and go sort of like uh, food bank oh almost, my God. to the, to the entire community, not just the school. And then when lights on, when the school year came back, they did lights on basically plus the food bank on top of that. Uh, Mm -hmm. So, like, they have kept themselves incredibly busy that maybe understandably so that they are supporting an entire community. Maybe they did not have the ability to hit the CrossFit Mm -hmm. routine as much as they may have wanted to going into this race. 
What about Ryan? I, I don't remember uh, Ryan necessarily going back to last week. Uh, there was uh, like uh, so much mention of his physicality, but even Dusty commented, look at his calves. They're like bowling balls. Uh, just I also noticed that Ryan, uh, I, and I have to go back and check, carries a foam roller on his person, uh, which I've never ever seen before on The Amazing Race. I think we went into this. Didn't we talk about this at length on the tar pit, Mike? Yeah, and we, the very uh, this is a, yeah. this has been there since the very beginning. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, while 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 several people's hair has left them in the months, uh, Ryan's roller has not. Mm-hmm. I wonder. Like somebody said, they thought it was a sleeping mat. No, like he thinks he's going to sleep on the ground. I think it is a foam roller. Yeah. Okay. Maybe he's Listen, got like a tight those, hamstring. Yeah. If those calves uh, get Charlie horses, but I mean, Ryan also kind of buries the lead here a bit uh because you know when he's just like yeah same old same old for old ryan pretty sure old ryan won like an 11 million dollar lawsuit in the interim against mm-hmm. the people that uh unjustifiably uh incarcerated him so it's been a, a pretty good time for ryan in this past you know several months mm-hmm. okay all right so he's just, uh, just doing it for the love of the race yeah and for dusty dusty, for dusty. Also uh, in a secret scene, well, Dusty made a uh, he made a big move. Quite literally, he had a kid, and he and his wife moved to Colorado and started a bed and breakfast. So, like a B and B, yeah, Dusty's made his own B and B. And so, Dusty was one of those people that I think looked at the pandemic and was like, "Okay, new opportunities." And so, he changed so many things in his life uh, for the time being. So, I guess from that perspective, Ryan had to stay the same. Uh, mm-hmm. But I guess the one thing they were working on, right, was to make themselves more well-rounded, as well-rounded as those bowling balls in Ryan's cap. <laughs> okay. All right. So uh, the teams uh, would uh, climb uh, up in the cable car to uh, 8,000 feet. And then ultimately, I mean, they basically start uh, have a like all together on like an even playing field uh, up here uh, with this task. Yeah. I mean, and the, when it comes to the roadblock as well, which we'll talk about, not a lot of passing there as well, except for Penn and his mountain goat strides. Uh, <laughs> it pretty much seemed like everyone kind of stayed in one straight line. I think that is my big takeaway from this episode from an editing perspective is honestly give us two thirds of the time we spent on the mountain and dedicate some time to that cabbage task and i think you have an even better episode of the amazing race agreed or how about this if they don't have time to put the cabbages in the episode give us give us expanded give us director's cut in the you know go on paramount plus you're trying to get people on paramount plus anyway Mm -hmm. tell people if you go on paramount plus now you can pay you know $5.99 Five ninety nine a month to watch an extra fifteen minutes of the episode. Yeah, and my entire task. Don't you think they could have they could have uh, shot Phil scenes of hiking up Paramount Mountain here uh, when they did these pickups? Yeah, where he pushes James Corden off, uh, gets on the <laughs> skidoo. skidoo. <laughs> I mean, this was pre. No, this was post Paramount, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm but, trying to think about. But what about for this year's Super Bowl? Do you think they'll do a pair? They'll, they'll continue the legacy of Paramount Mountain for this year's Super Bowl? Oh, they have to, right? It's not going to become a yearly thing. Uh, I think that this is a new service. I don't think they're going to do a check in of like, how's Paramount doing? Yeah, we got to check every Super Bowl. We got to check in with, okay, how's Baby Nut? How is how Baby is that was never on Paramount? Is why how was he affiliated? Oh, he was he's on, on the, the he's on the Super Bowl every year. Oh, God, no, I thought you were about Paramount. We Mountain. have a bunch of things. We we check in with like what are the Budweiser horses doing? 
I guess that's true. I didn't realize the Paramount Mountain was going to become the Budweiser Frogs of CBS Viacom, <laughs> but here we are. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, is Anna Kendrick still singing about chips? Mm-hmm. These are the questions we have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, what happened to Monkey Baby Puppy? Is that thing still hanging oh, around? Maybe that yeah. could be the new mascot. You got to watch the Super Bowl to find out. That's how they get you. That's yeah. how they get so, you. See, yeah, come, no, back, I- come back every year and see what's going on with your beloved commercial characters. Yeah, though at this point, uh, I think by the time the Super Bowl airs, I think Amazing Race 33 might be nearly over. So I think they might unfortunately be like at the, the very tail end of the wave. The summit. There. Yeah. Also, CBS doesn't care about promoting the Amazing Race. And they never have. Like you go on Paramount Plus, it's it's not even on the first page of results when you click on reality. And it's a currently airing show. It should be on the main screen. Mm-hmm. We're not going to get to see the Super Bowl commercial. I think we all want where tough as nails. Phil is fighting amazing race. Phil. On oh top my of God. Whoa. Wow. That's the spider verse. I want to see. Exactly. Yeah. Everyone's, they're all pointing at each other. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm sure what it's worth, Jess. I did. I did. We watched a lot of football this past weekend and I do believe CBS, like nearly every commercial break was showing the Amazing Race episode. Maybe it was because this is such an eventful episode with everyone coming back post-pandemic, but I can nearly recite that commercial word for word by the end of Sunday, mm-hmm. considering how many times I saw it. That's the thing. They only made one commercial. Mm-hmm. They should have made like three. Don't they make like three for Survivor? I think it's more that Paramount Plus doesn't care about the Amazing yeah, Race. Yeah, CBS loves it. CBS loves it. Are we going to Kanye this? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So... Um, we're seeing the teams, uh, climb up the mountain, uh, just that they sort of also had like a person that they were tethered to. Yeah. Well, this looks like a safety thing. This looked like a guide of some sort. And I think that seems smart given all the opportunity you have to just like, you know, wipe out and fall (laughs) down the mountain. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, I don't know how common that is, but if this is a tourist attraction, and people are allowed to like pay a fee and and climb that thing every day. You have to assume it's not going to be crazy unsafe. Mm-hmm. Um, I did notice there's one area where they have like a cable running across the side of the mountain that you can hold on to as you climb. And it reminded me of a time I went hiking with my family in Glacier National Park at Logan Pass. There's a hiking path that that leaves from the visitor center and on one side is just like a straight drop down several thousand feet. And then on the other side is a cable. And I walked this whole little narrow ledge, not knowing that you are allowed to hold on to the cable. And mm-hmm. it was very scary. And I was getting terrible vertigo. And then I felt like an idiot when I see people behind me, like holding on to the cable. Mm-hmm. So I think as many guardrails as they have on there, it's to protect yeah. people. It's not, you're not ever going to, go on something on the amazing race where you might actually die knock on wood yeah knock on wood um mike uh how about this ryan uh wearing shorts up here uh at this like uh, high elevation everybody else is in uh, a jacket but then later he was saying he was sweating like a pig he runs hot I mean, well, it, it was also seemed like an incredibly intense cardio process, right? Because you were at high altitude and you were doing a lot of hiking. Yes, a lot of it was along a straight line before you did some elevation, but everyone was like heaving breath by the time they got back. So I can understand working up a sweat, even if, you know, uh, the, the climate does not indicate it. But yeah, I mean, I was a little scared for Ryan. We all know what happened to Shamar. Uh, back during season 29. Uh, and so I feared for him, you know, wearing the shorts with the harness. I, I was worried <laughs> for, for little Ryan and the boys. 
I mean, we know that this we know that this show is historically not terribly sympathetic to those of you that have uh, male parts. Mm -hmm. Yes. Please be careful out there. Pour one out for Shmir. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so I mean, this is kind of uneventful. Uh, all the teams uh, running around the mountain. The only thing that's a uh, person that's really having problems here is Sherry. Yeah, so let's let's talk about this poor, poor Sherry. So let's let's clarify some stuff here because we're gonna have a similar conversation next week. It seems like so some tasks, which I would assume is gonna be the case next week, in is a heights task that has some sort of weight or height limit where you're in a harness. And if you are going down something or going up something, there is usually a weight limit or snap, plummet, bleh. Uh, and so <laughs> is that the if, official term? Yeah, I mean that's the uh, that's the that's in the part. waiver. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Not responsible in case of snap, plummet, bleh. <laughs> uh, so the so if you weigh a certain amount, like if you are of a certain size, you might not be able to participate. That that I'm assuming is the case that's going to happen next week. From what it seems like, from the way Akbar continually said. It should have been me. I should have been the one who did this. It seems like he was able to. I mean, Penn was, and Penn looks like, you know, a gray-haired giraffe. He's six foot six. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think that Akbar was able to take it. I think what they felt was that his feet were, like, too big that maybe he would, like, slip on rocks or get caught up and trip or something, and so Sherry was a little more nimble. But, man, bad choice. Bad choice all around. Though I guess good for Sherry's psyche. Uh, she overcame a fear in the moment, which is awesome for her. Yeah. The other racers were so supportive of her in that moment. It was really, it, you know, we'd already talked about how the race coming back is so joy inspiring. But to watch these people like kind of talk her through it and give her some words of encouragement. I thought that was a really nice moment as well. Mm hmm. Yeah. And so uh, Sherry ultimately is going to complete the task. Everybody else ends up coming down in one gondola together. Uh, Sherry is uh, left up there all alone. Um, Everybody gets to go to the detour. Uh, Punch it or toss it. Now, do we know, did the uh, cabbage task, the the ultimate uh, speed bump, was this before or after the detour, do we suspect? Rob, it sounds to me like it was after. Mm-hmm. It sounds to me like it was the last thing they had to do before the mat. Like, that's what I got from talking to Michael and Mo. Mm-hmm. But I could be wrong about that. Okay. All it, was right. definitely, it was definitely after the roadblock, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Punch it or toss it. Uh, as far as detour names go, uh, what do we think of this one? I have a million things that are better than this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Give us, I mean, give us anything. Toss it or emboss it. Ooh. Oh, there, there, that's the one. There you go. Like, in fact, that's what I thought the name of it was. I had to go back and look it up. Yeah. It was not, and I was, oh, I was shocked. You know what? Um, that, uh, I, I don't have the sound clip for this, but uh, for the roadblock, uh, who wants to take in the view? Uh, did Phil say the teams are going to have to get high? He did. And, <laughs> like, while there was a bunch of mist around him looking like smoke. There you go, Phil. <laughs> yeah, I'm sad we I'm sad we had no like uh we, we occasionally have like the hippie or like granola teams on the show, right? I'm thinking about like Adam and Brandon, the beards from season twenty three. Mm-hmm. I'm sad we didn't have one of those on there because you know, you know they would have read that and be like, Oh yeah, man. Oh, mm-hmm. I get what you're putting down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Okay, so uh, punch it or toss it. Everybody goes to toss it except for Michael and Mo and Arun and Natalia. And we spend a lot of time uh, watching people rehearsing the flag dance. All right, here's the thing. Amazing race. Your judges are too soft. Yeah, and these judges were, were very generous. Incredibly. And this has been the case with the cakes. It was the case with the bagpipes. This is the case here as well. No offense to these teams, but some of these teams, again, I'll use my proper like, all right, and over the head. Okay, and we go around it. Mm-hmm. And like they were taking so many pauses in the middle of it. Like I would right. assume with the judging we've had in previous things, it's supposed to be one fluid routine that I don't know. It feels like maybe this is also post pandemic. Uh, amazing race. It just feels like we are on a different learning curve yeah. this season. Maybe the prisoners are like, all right, we're indoors. All right, let's move it along here. Come on. Uh, can't spend too much time inside. But Jess, I kind of feel like, and I'm not a big flag guy, but uh, I kind of feel like that uh, once the flag touches the ground, right, that's a non-starter. Yeah, I thought, I, I mean, that's U.S. flag code. You can't let the flag touch the ground. That seems like if I were the producers and I was coming up with my spin on this flag task, that would be one of the things on the checklist. Yeah. Flag touches the ground. Eh. Now, yep. wait a minute. Now that I'm thinking about it, Switzerland is an incredibly neutral country. Are the task judges just not that discerning? Oh. Do they not take one side or the other? Are they just like, it's okay. I have no feelings about it one way or the other. And so teams just happen to pass because of the Swiss temperament. Mm-hmm. It, it could be, Mike. Anything is possible. Yeah. Are they still neutral? Is that still a thing? Yeah, yeah, they're always neutral. They're always neutral, no matter what happens? No matter what happens. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was interesting that Ben and Kim, for the third leg in a row, decide to go with the task where you're going to be judged on your performance as opposed to the one where you just have to do it correctly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I wonder if it's it sort of is like a bit of a, a catch-22 then for the Holderness family, though, because one of their five holes is performing, is like choreography and doing routines, but that's never going to be objectively judged. There's not going to be a robot that's like, you did this, therefore you get the clue. So you have if they want to go for what they're good at, they have to go for the tests that are judged. Yeah, it's that's a that is a rough situation, Mike. It's a good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So all right. Uh we saw a lot of uh rehearsing of the flags. Uh then over at Punch It, uh we learned about uh the great history of Swiss belts. Do we, do we know the, about the Swiss belts? Is this up there with the cabbage? I mean, there are holes in it, much like cheese. Yeah. I looked it up, by the way, and um, Switzerland produces 0.04% of the world's cabbage. So, okay. I don't know about belts, but I, I'd never heard of a Swiss belt. Yeah, I, yeah, I guess the, I mean, this seems like one of those more, hey, back in the old days, this is what happened, where it's less so pulled out of modern day times and more so about like the hey this is what they did back in the day uh and so i guess they were sort of relying on this right just for like nobility had a bunch of ornaments on their belts like a like a i don't know a, a charm bracelet you like get a, from claire's yeah or like a pandora it's like the pandora bracelet of Where is medieval it? switzerland yeah did you like this story uh once upon it let me see actually if i <laughs> if i have the story Oh, you have the the story. You wrote the story down. Okay, here we go. A papa cow has realized that his baby calf is missing on a very cloudy day. The farmer and his dog search behind the barn. The mama cow saves the day by finding the calf with the goat 
and the family is reunited as the sun shines bright. See, what this sounds like to me, and Michael and Mo talked about how they didn't really understand how they were supposed to put this story together based on the charms they had and the story they were given. Seems to me like all you have to do is the first time the noun appears in the story, you put it on the belt. That's mm-hmm. what it looked like to me. Honestly, my kid has a game like this. He has oh, this really? Game. It's a farm set, and it's a storytelling game. It's one of those cooperative games with no losers where there's all these little cards of different farm characters and then there's dice and you roll the dice and you get your character and your action and then you talk about like oh the scarecrow is going to play the guitar or the sheep Hmm. is going to run behind the barn and then you each take turns adding on to the story and that's what i saw when i saw that i'm like oh this is like my kid's farm game I mean, it sort of has the Mad Libs aspect, and this is yeah. no disrespect if this is indeed a an ancient Swiss myth. But uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm no book critic. Kind of a boring story to me. Uh, the cow was lost, and then they found the cow, the cow in the in the, in the patch of meadow. I mean, Swiss myth is a tasty beverage, Mike. But yeah, I suppose so. Uh, so I mean, yeah, to your point, it really did seem like every time there was a noun there, right? Because I would imagine there's mm-hmm. no like there's no totem for red. Or uh, I was going to say sunny, but the sun represents that. So, I mean, I guess the toughest time I personally have, and I'm surprised the teams did not have a bigger issue with it, is distinguishing between the three types of cows. Mm. Uh, Obviously, the baby cow is going to be smaller, but like, I don't know. Are you looking for something specific between the father cow and the mama cow? I mean, depending on the species of a cow, maybe the father cow is the only one with horns. I don't know. I, I didn't freeze frame on the cows. I wasn't checking for anatomical correctness. Was there a correct version of the belts? Like, on, but they compared it, like, at the end, like, correct belts, like, uh, then, like, uh, Michael and Moe's belt. Like, was that example somewhere? Taskmaster no. had it behind the counter, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Well, and, but, but they said that the, the guy showing it off did not do it in mm-hmm. the order, uh, which is smart because then you just copy him. <laughs> so it really did something. He just more showed, hey, here's how you bedazzle your belt as opposed to here's exactly what you need to do in the order that you do it. Hmm. Yeah, boy, I wish that I, I was into, you know, uh, like should be able to show my status with like a belt with like little charms on it for like little like uh, every podcast I, I, I uh, cover like a well, different show. I get an icon. Rob, you're the only person on this podcast that hasn't like put some kind of permanent mark on yourself indicating mm-hmm. your status as a podcaster. That's true. Oh, is mm-hmm. it, Mike, is that like what you did? Yeah, I mean, technically, I mean, this tells the has, story. Like, yeah, it tells the story of an immunity mm-hmm. necklace mm-hmm. with yeah. uh, a Sir Squiddington and talked <laughs> into a microphone. Yeah, and so yeah, I just got embossed on my body, Rob. Maybe you need a tattoo around your around mid-section. my belt. Yeah, 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 my midsection. Yeah, yeah, it's like a tramp stamp that goes all the way around. all the way around. Right, right. Okay, let me uh, let me get a quote on that. Let's workshop that. We can, workshop we can come up that. with like the, the emblems. Like start the brand steel. There we go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but then everyone wins, right? We need we need a good amount of symbols to make it all the way around you. Do I have to go back and start drawing stuff again? Because mm-hmm. I'm not on furlough anymore. I don't really have time. Okay. All right. Uh, we'll wait for the next variant and then we'll work on that okay. when there's some downtime. Okay. I'll pencil it in. All right. So um, uh, the teams, uh, ultimately, we saw Ryan and Dusty uh, try, thinking about switching. That seemed like kind of a shocker. They really thought it was that hard, and then they go and knock it out and like, mm-hmm. let's try. Yeah, I think. Well, I, I, I think it's again, it's this assumption that I think a lot of us had along with the other teams of when I saw these two tasks, I thought, oh, the belts. 
by far the belts, because this is one of those typical performing amazing race tasks where you're going to be doing it 20 to 25 times and you don't get it right. I think the most attempts the team took was three mm-hmm. at doing mm-hmm. the flag test. So I don't think they expected to be honestly graded that easily, but we got this typical thing and I'll put this out for the first time this season, the amazing race editing trick. Uh, I don't know if it's one Oh one, but maybe like two Oh one. Cause it's a little more advanced. If you see a team in trouble and it slows down to slow-mo right before the commercial break, things are going to be fine. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Just like we saw in this episode, it was Ryan Dusty being like, I don't know, yeah. bro, should we switch, bro? Yeah. Cut, to, duh, 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 duh. Cut back from commercial. No, let's not switch. Okay, we got it on the first time. Well, this is if- yeah, classic Lisa's Law. Yeah, is that, is that what we're calling it now? <laughs> yeah, and it's one of those things, I think, also, when you have a performing task like that, the second you sort of kind of have it, it behooves you to try it once, like get them to look at it the first time. Cause what if you get it right with like 75% of it down, you're going to feel dumb if you decided you were going to switch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dusty was the one saying like, Hey, we should switch. And then they, Ryan was like, no, look, I'm telling you, this guy seems like uh, it could be an easy grader. It's a real pushover. He's, he's, <laughs> the judge seems loose. I think we can get this one feeling good. Like, I, I, I don't know if I would, I, I, you know, Ryan is a good judge of that, I would guess. <laughs> He's just, he knows when it's a lenient judge and when it's not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, oh, this Sorry. guy seems like a real stickler. Yeah. Sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah. But also, also, he can play a card with Dusty like, hey, which one of us had to give up 10 years of the their life that person gets to pick the detour mm-hmm. yeah that's true like listen i have more patience than you i think we could get through this i sat in one room for yeah. 10 years uh but yeah i think and it also probably was to be honest probably the first adversity these two had faced this entire race was like this momentary thing of oh my god maybe we won't get this and it was just a momentary bump in the road it's probably so, the last two so yeah so again editing trick if you see the slowdown before the commercial it's gonna be fine if you see the slowdown though and it's not before a commercial then they're in trouble Mm -hmm. uh if you see something like michael and mo being like we're lost man and then the camera slows down and then it cuts like a rune and natalia that means that actually michael and mo might be in trouble okay all right good to know keep an eye on where those uh commercial breaks are and if you're watching on paramount plus maybe consider watching during network television hours okay so you can really can soak in over the commercial break. Like, okay, it's going to be fine. Don't worry. Yeah. Don't that's worry. That's how it's intended to be watched. Yes. It's, it's like, you know, it's like reading, you know, it's like reading Garcia Marquez in the original Spanish. Mm-hmm. Or Zack Snyder's Justice League. Yes. <laughs> sure. Or the daughter cut. The daughter cut of Superman 2. Any of those things. Any of those things. They're all the same. All right. So uh, it was a tense moment for Arun and Natalia uh, with Michael and Mo. It's like, well, one of us is going to be right and one of us isn't. Uh, so it's going to come down to this. And Arun and Natalia, it all it all checks out. Uh, it felt bad for Michael and Mo at that point. Yeah. Listen, we'll, we'll certainly talk about, you know, again, they feel like they might have been certainly hampered by this speed bump. It should be mentioned that they did make the exact same mistake two times in the race of not paying attention to details. I I don't know if they're just really into manga or read Hebrew or something. I'm not sure why they thought right. Maybe all those things was the way to read the story. So so, uh, we we talked about this with Michael and Mo in the exit interview. What what they said was that the the store the order in the story 
made no sense. And in fairness, I feel like that that seemed like it might have been uh, a metaphor for what was going to happen with their edit, because it seemed like the things were happening not in the right order and things were left out. Well, the way that they that the show ultimately told the story, I guess, made some logical sense. Because what you could glean from it, if you didn't know about this unaired task, you could say, oh, Aruna, Talia, and Michael and Mo did the other detour and everybody else did the flags. So the flags must have been easier or closer to the mat or something because it was a race between the two of them for last place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I guess it does tell a logical story. Unfortunately, it's not the story that explains anything the way it actually happened. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's well, reality TV for you. We get to see uh, Arun and Natalia back in the car. And uh, Mike, that one thing does seem the same from 19 months ago. Arun and Natalia are uh, struggling with navigation. Which is odd because, again, there's a secret scene where Natalia says that, like, her husband specifically gave, like, helped them do all these directions exercises of, again, orienteering. But I guess you, you you can't teach an old dog new tricks in a manner of speaking that this is just going to crop up. And hopefully, to Jess's point, this might be something that comes with a bit of a learning curve that they, they learn to navigate. But yeah, tough after what happened last time uh, for them to now sort of face the bottom of the pack once more. Again, I think this Cabbage Task, Cabbage Task Kids... Uh, certainly we're in on it, uh, you know, with, with having to navigate to this extra task. But from what it seemed like, unfortunately, Aruna and Natalia also did not have the best leg back from elimination. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we have not mentioned Natalia got married during the blip. And that's very fun because she almost couldn't go on the show because she had her wedding coming up. So mm-hmm. it's nice she got to have the best of both worlds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I do believe uh, if you go look on social media, I think Natalia posted... Uh, a, a video of her in a room dancing at the wedding. Uh, she says they nearly did perform Donald Werger Trusers at the <laughs> wedding, but I think uh, fortunately they did do a father daughter dance. Nobody would have gotten it. A, yeah. If you yeah, want they to see were. A, if you want to see a room do things in a better environment than yelling uh, a Scottish song in front of children. I think look in the more comfortable setting of his daughter's wedding, which yeah. says something. Yeah. yeah. If they had performed Donald Wears Your Trusers, they might've gotten sued for $5 million. So mm-hmm. it's a good thing they didn't. Yeah. Um, we saw uh, Kim and Penn uh, uh, struggling a little bit uh, with the flag task uh, that uh, Kim was just uh, getting worn out from uh, holding the flag for so long. Uh, she needed a couple of minutes just to uh, reset. That's a heavy flag. Heavy flag. And, she, and, she, and she's not necessarily a tall person. And so I can mm-hmm. imagine like the further out you have to hold something, right? That's the physics of it all. Like the the more strain it puts on your arms. Though, again... It's kind of a, a, a you know much ado about nothing as yeah. they probably took the most attempts at it with three. There were all these these like close calls, right? You have someone like Kayla who's freaking out like I'm uncoordinated. Took them a try. Mm-hmm. So again, yeah. uh, they they were sort of making a big deal, even though I think the teams were the ones freaking out more than the actual judges themselves. One of the interesting developments this week was a new alliance seems to be forming. Uh, Raquel and Kayla. And Lulu and Lala seem to be uh, trying to work together. Uh, Jess, uh, how do you feel about this uh, new um, Black Widow Brigade? I don't know. You, you know how I feel about alliances on The Amazing Race. Last season, notwithstanding, there is only so far you can go with an alliance. 
unless mm-hmm. you are like blatantly walking each other through every task. So I think most of the Alliance talk on most normal seasons of The Amazing Race is a whole lot of nothing. But that being said, I think the point is valid that female teams tend not to step into the winner's circle very often. And so I think it is absolutely something that would run through your head if you were a female with a female partner and you were on The Amazing Race, you'd have to think, I'm at a disadvantage already. It's like mm-hmm. being a woman on Survivor in these current times. And so the fact that she said, you know, if it isn't if it isn't us, we'd like it to be Lulu and Lala. I don't know if that necessarily means they are signing a blood oath, but mm-hmm. I think if if there's comes a point where it's like you turn them or you turn somebody else, they will you turn somebody else. Or, you know, if they have the answer, they might shout it out on their way out the door like we've seen happen yeah. before. Like, yeah, so let's good. let me let, let let's let's edit read for a second here. I think we have to because look, the amazing race isn't exactly subtle with its editing. It's a little all over the place sometimes. Like that, we have certainly walked into the final leg of certain seasons, being like, "This team has got it." Oh, why did this team win? Uh, season twenty eight is a big example of that. Tyler and Corey, and even Sherry and Cole had some stories, and Dana and Matt didn't. But I just I gotta look at the fact that now Raquel and Kayla have sort of morphed into the hey, an all-female team should win. And much like we talked about again with Survivor 41, would they include this if an all-female team was not going to win this season? I point you to Island of the Idols. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, counterpoint, Mike. <laughs> eh, I was born at night, but not last night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to quote a previous Amazing Rescue says, it's a good point, <laughs> but we should also mention that that was done, you know, at a time, and Rob spoke about this as well, with, with uh, 41 this season, where I think production for some reason, did not realize what they were doing with that, or at least the intention. So they fixed that when it came around to 41, where they really made a lot of obtuse references to, you know, a woman never beats a man. It'd be really nice to see a woman win. And look what happens here. I'm I'm just wondering. And Erica talked about how, you know, she uh, was, spoiler alert for Survivor 41 in case, uh, where Erica talked about how, like when she voted out Liana, she didn't, you know, that was hard for me. I didn't want to vote out Liana. I want, I want a woman to win. I I want that woman to be me. Uh, But it was hard for me to vote against a, a woman here at the final seven. Yeah, so it, I mean, it could it could be a red herring. I just finding it very curious that it felt like this episode in particular. We had heard snippets of Raquel and Kayla like in the barrels task last episode, right? Be like, I'm so proud of us as women for doing it. It felt like this one kind of beat us over the head with it, and I'm not sure if that is yeah. just an automatic prognostication of how the season's going. to I would say uh, caution. I, I feel like it's it's early. Yeah, I think it's also, this is literally the only thing we know about them right now. We know they used to work together. They aren't flight attendants anymore. And they're women. That's the things we know about them. And that is the story they're being given. It is very possible. That's the only story we get out of them all season. And it's just like every time we see them like, oh, there's women. Hi, women. How are you doing on the race? Women. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Also, that it seems like that this is a relationship that really got cultivated, uh, during the blip uh, that I do not remember uh, Raquel and Kayla really having much interaction with Lulu and Lala, who were mostly at the back of the pack uh, through the first couple hours of the Amazing Race, where Raquel and Kayla were closer to the front of the pack. And it also seems like that they share a uh, common, I don't want to say enemy, but there is uh, one team that is getting under their skin. And Phil did ask them specifically about it uh, when uh, they got to the mat. 
about how that there were some teams that were uh, getting a, a little cocky uh, and they said it rhymes with rusty. I mean, first of all, I think it's it's a wonderful idea. And we've talked about what if this happened, that people spent the year and a half getting to know each other and deciding that they wanted to pair up with other teams based on the extra time they got to chat. I think that's cool. I also think that especially given the teams that came back, you got to be looking at Ryan and Dusty and saying, oh, that's the team that's probably going to win all the legs and be our biggest competition. So Mm -hmm. I think especially with Spencer and Anthony out of it, like that's the team I'm looking at. Like that's probably the team that's going to win. So I would probably be be gunning for them regardless of how they were treating me as competitors. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, let's, let's, let's put it in right now. Let's emboss it into a belt. First U-turn opportunity. I don't know if it'll happen, but we're absolutely going to get the sound bites of got a U-turn Dusty and Ryan. It's got to happen. Mm -hmm. It might be the case. Like what happened last season. You got to be ahead of them though. Well, that's yeah. the thing. Like last season, remember, we had that plan of like, oh, we got a U-turn Gary and D'Angelo. We got to get rid of them. And that ends up like they end up getting ahead of them. So it's all for naught. But I could very easily see this just become a storyline of get Dusty and Ryan. I don't know if it's a situation where they'll U-turn them out of the race. But I think certainly we are starting to see them turn on them. Understandably so. They won two out of the four legs. What, they came in second on the first one. What's the lowest that they finished? Uh, yeah, the lowest that they came second, first, second, first. They are far and away the front runners at this point. It is understandable why people are gunning for them. Mm-hmm. That's some real Eric and Jeremy kind of energy. <laughs> All right. So uh, Ryan and Dusty, they do get to the mat first. Uh, they get $2,500 cash. I mean, it's no Cape Cod vacation. I mean, you could probably go to Cape Cod for that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Start the case, start the Cape Cod fund, but I mean, go Ryan and Dusty. Again, uh, with Anthony and Spencer gone, it really does seem like, to their point, they have become better versions of themselves over the course of quarantine. And I will be really intrigued to see if they hit any more, not the task roadblock, but I guess more metaphoric roadblocks over the course of the rest of this race. Because right now, it seems like they are unstoppable. Yeah. Um, From a physicality standpoint, uh, certainly. uh, Just uh, what... It's the kind of task that could really uh, slow them down. Um, I think like I could see them getting tripped up by like something with a lot of finesse, mm-hmm. like something with a lot of details, puzzle task, maybe. I mean, they're smart guys, but do we know if they've spent a lot of time on that sort of thing or like one of those tasks where you have to build something and it has to be exactly like the thing next to it? Those are the kinds of things like the really physical teams that spend all their time worrying about getting there fast and powering through it. Yeah. That's the kind of thing that trips them up. And I wonder if we have this race, which is more focused on the outdoors where we've seen uh, where this was, you know, scaling the mountain were, you know, uh, you know, uh, the physical was uh, so important in this leg of the race. And then we look at next week's episode where we're sort of like bungee jumping and like doing other, like, uh, you know, climbing up uh, a million stairs. Uh, It does wonder if uh, the physical is going to be, you know, maybe the most important element in this sort of like outdoor season of the amazing race. It it could be, but I think it just takes one bad task to trip you up. Mm -hmm. We've seen it a million times. So, I mean, I would say that barring one such task, we definitely see these guys in the final and probably see them as front runners to win the whole thing. But I've been wrong before. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I think there's also a very good chance that 
they end up floundering in a final leg and you have a Kim and Penn take them over mm-hmm. and win. Mm-hmm. Kim and Penn also seem like incredibly solid racers. You know, their worst leg was the the, the first one, even though I think they, they finish in a position below in the second leg when they had that whole snafu with the mail rail. But it seemed like they really did learn from their mistakes. They did a pretty flawless leg last time and they mm-hmm. finish in second this time uh, where, you know, Penn was even able to catapult from like fifth to second on the roadblock alone. I think they are definitely in the hunt as well. Yeah. To me, they are the most balanced team where it's hard for me to envision the task that is going to just completely uh, like uh, there's there's no way that they could accomplish anything. I just feel like that they uh, might not be able to excel in the physical uh, like Ryan and Dusty. But I feel like that there's probably not a thing the Amazing Race can throw at them that's going to ultimately just completely, you know, put the kibosh on them. Yeah, we could also this is also a good time to note that the final leg of every amazing race is poorly planned and arbitrary and stupid. So we're going to end up with one of those things where like get in line to do the bungee jump. And then the three teams line up to do the bungee jump and whichever team does the bungee jump first is in front for the entire rest of the leg. That's Mm -hmm. every leg. That's every final leg of amazing race. Look no further than with, you know, all the love to Will and James, they essentially won the race when they found the, the king cake and the king cake baby, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Like and they, that was one of the better designed legs. <laughs> yeah, but they but they were also so well studied and all the teams were at that point that they just like, there was no point. They never got tripped up after yeah. that. And you would imagine also Kim and Penn, someone who has an Excel doc of Amazing Race previous seasons would know what to study. And should there be a task in the final that you think, oh my God, this is where they're going to falter. They would probably be some of the most studied ones to actually just blaze through the task, much like uh, Will and James did with that globe thing last time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. These two are know where the king cake, they know which where to find the king cake baby. All right. Uh, Kim and Penn, they are uh, second team to arrive. Uh, Raquel and Kayla are third. Lulu and Lala are uh, fourth place. Phil really does a number on Akbar and Sherry. Uh, Mike, is this one of the all-time great Phil fakeouts? Yeah, I mean, the the fakeout with the PH is fantastic. I feel like they're sort of more of a hallmark of newer Amazing Race, uh, where usually in the past, it's just you're the last team to arrive, pause. However, this is a non-elimination leg. Phil has, as of late, really piped in these monologues of, <laughs> so you had a bad day. You know, uh, you turned around, you had a, you just had a bad time. You, you <laughs> stepped in the mud, you know, it's raining on you at this moment. Well, I got some good news. The sun's coming out. Yeah. You're, you're surviving. But just here, he's like, well, 19 months you've come back. It must be very disappointing. He really, my favorite part of this is that about 30 seconds in Akbar catches on. And he's mm-hmm. just like dying and he's like, I want to talk. I want to talk. And it's like, he's letting Phil finish the speech, but he's like internally, he's like, Oh my God, he's faking me out. We are still in it. And it's a trap. I thought that, I thought that was so fun. Yeah. I, yeah. Especially you put a trap on Akbar every time. <laughs> yeah. great. That, that being said, look, this, this might be a little harsh. Akbar has done absolutely incredible things for his community uh, and, you know, just for the well-being of of, uh, of people that feel like they're left behind. Uh, I am not hot on him as a racer. Uh, I do not like him on this show. 
Okay. It seems like uh, some of the communication issues that were going on from 19 months prior uh, maybe did not uh, have as much work uh, done towards uh, trying to fix some of those uh, communication issues uh, after the blip. They don't seem to have worked on that mm-hmm. in the interim, for yeah. sure. It seems like that they uh, that they agreed, okay, we're not going to say shut up. And that gets broken very quickly. <laughs> and what Sherry's reasoning is like, well, yeah, it's because you should. Uh, yeah, I, I think, and I think it's it's not that I'm completely like excusing Sherry. I, I just I didn't love the sort of temperament that Akbar had throughout the entire roadblock, uh, you know, and especially when she came back, like she conquered her fear. She did this whole thing. He did not seem, at least from my perspective, that supportive. Mm-hmm. Of her, and maybe I'm Maggie Morganing a bit, and like you know, trying to read into their dynamic. But I was, it was cold out there, and uh, I was not particularly thrilled with uh, the less than warm reception that Akbar gave to his wife after she, you know, hoofed her way across the mountain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. I mean, in all fairness to Akbar, I think that maybe the hardest position you can ever be on in the Amazing Race is being the person who's not doing the roadblock. And having your partner not doing well in the roadblock and you are absolutely powerless to do anything about it. I think that would weigh on the best of us. And I think that's obviously going to be a bad moment for him where he's thinking, you know, this was my roadblock. I should have been able to do it. I didn't do it. And now we are screwed because I couldn't do it. And he's had all his agency taken away from him. Mm -hmm. I see why that's upsetting to him. It's not an excuse for his behavior, but it certainly goes a long way to explain it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Bad, bad headspace. Uh, Very bad headspace. Yeah. yeah. But, and, and it also seems like Akbar is a guy who like wears his heart on his sleeve as well, which I think also translates a bit to these motivational aspects where he keeps explaining. I just want to bring that D1 athlete out of Sherry. Um, I, I think he's, I think he's ultimately knocking at a door where the, the, the tenant has not been around for a number of years. Uh, and so I think maybe it's a, a little bit of like a dry well to be drawing water up because Sherry's doing her stuff. You know, she's able to do things just at a bit of a, a slower pace, but I'm a little surprised. You know, if you would ask me who is going to be our requisite arguing couple of the season, I don't think I would have pointed to the couple who has been married for what, like at least a dozen years at this point. Oh, sometimes that's when the arguments start, Mike. <laughs> I guess I, I, I'm not prepared. For <laughs> Ready. I'm six years in, so I guess I'm waiting for the next six. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. Coming for you, Mike. <laughs> yeah. All right. So ultimately, it comes out to Michael and Mo, uh, Arun and Natalia. Uh, Michael, Mo, stop in a bakery. They look like a good play, a spot, Jess. I mean, I would definitely, if I'm going to ask for directions in a bakery. Drive gonna, through the forest. Yeah. Oh, well, they couldn't give me directions. I felt bad bothering them without giving them money. So I had to buy something. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, going to the Starbucks to use the bathroom. you got to buy something. <laughs> yeah. I was nervous when they said drive through the forest. that This was a case of a local giving them completely opposite directions. Because I was like, I don't recall a forest at all with these other teams driving by. So did they just get sent to like Narnia or something? But no, they eventually got fine stuff. Yeah. Maybe they drove through the forest. Maybe the forest. They saw is a cow. Like, yeah. Maybe you had to drive through the forest to get to the cabbage patch and then you had to drive back through it. To the get cabbage to forest. 
No, that's actually a very good point that yeah, if the forest was to the cabbage patch, that would make more sense because that's the location that none of the other teams needed to go to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you wouldn't know it was there. Yeah. Because it's mythical. And maybe that's why Arun and Natalia were so lost also because they were so off the beaten path to go to, to the do the speed bump. All right. Uh, Arun and Natalia get to the mat. They are team number six. It was fueling them not to be eliminated again. Now, can I- they <laughs> do it another week? If they do, if they get, if they get eliminated next week and I'm going to be pretty upset by that, especially if there's another hidden speed bump, Mm -hmm. like, oh, well you, you know, you went out in like two, so you have to do two speed bumps. Right. That would suck. Right. Uh, One speed bump for each, like you were eliminated. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That'd be horrible. Yeah. Well, I mean, for Arun and Natalia, I mean, they only like were eliminated in the last episode. So, uh, that they, they did their time. Uh, even Ryan would say like, come on. If if there is a team of because I do think from my opinion there is like a top three and a bottom three and I think honestly you can look at the way these teams finish this leg as maybe an example of that mm-hmm. I think if there's an exception if there's one team that could sneak their way into the top three I think it might be a Rune in Italia oh um, it's they, interesting because I, I feel like that uh like you wouldn't elevate Lulu and Lala after now that they've sort of like uh partnered up with Raquel and Kayla. I mean, I don't think they partnered up, though. I mean, to Jess's point, like, I don't think it really is a, hey, uh, you take care of me. I'll take care of you if you can, if you can situation. I think it's more so like, hey, it'd be nice if a woman won, Uh, you know, less so about proceeding through. We talked about this, that it seems like they were sort of vehemently anti-alliance, anti-helping each other. We know Natalia learned her lesson this episode, Mm -hmm. uh, certainly. So I think if there's another team from Lulu and Lala, uh, Akbar and Sherry, and uh, and Aruna and Natalia to make their way into the top three. It's probably them. I think they've run into some bad stuff in these past couple of legs where obviously the singing and dancing brought them down in Scotland. Here, it did seem like they probably would have finished in at least fifth place where did they not have that cabbage task as well. So I could see them really start to gain momentum because remember, they finished in the top three in leg two. So I think they have the capacity to do really well. I just think right now they might not necessarily have had the uh, the correct momentum to get there at this point. I it, it is funny, Mike. I can see your point on this. I would also say that if we wanted to call another dark horse for doing dark horse power rankings, I think Lulu and Lala have a lot of potential just because they seem like the ones who have done the most work to looking at what was tripping them up and working to fix it. And one of the one of the things that they had the most trouble with was just each other and it seems like in the interim they've really worked on their communication i think there's been a lot of things that have brought them closer together and i was really impressed with their performance overall we didn't see a lot of it which you know editing suggests that maybe that's too dark of a dark horse but if they showed up in the final three as like the um it's like the logan and london team that yes. we haven't seen mm-hmm. the entire time and yet they are here in the final three yeah i would not be surprised with that either like lolo wow. to lala and lulu and they yeah, also got the amazing race uh as stephen fishback likes to call it, the personal story bump of yes, uh that you know we heard the sad story about uh uh grandma who uh i guess mm-hmm. was in their intro of uh what was going on with uh the with the amazing race uh who who passed away um we we heard from Michael in uh, his exit. He had a a similar story uh, about his, uh, his grandmother passing um, in uh, around the time of doing the amazing race. That was not in the episode. That's a good point. I mean, it might, might've helped to the fact that they are both obviously related to the grandmother. I mean, it must be such a mixed bag 
having recorded footage of your grandmother, it seems like one of the last times you saw her, right? Because, like, there is preservation there, but does it drudge up memories? That was particularly sad to hear, obviously, to have to lose someone due to COVID specifically, but such an interesting thing. I do wonder, much like we talked about with Raquel and Kayla, you know, I think it was Lala, the one who wasn't doing the roadblock, talked about how she felt her grandmother's presence up there in the mountain, if that's going to be a recurring thing as well. Because The Amazing Race films in a very short time frame. It usually only takes a month to film. So I think it's very much going to be on their brains. I wonder if this is going to be a, a beat we keep going back to. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, anything else from this week's uh, Amazing Race? I guess Michael I mean, and Mo, uh, we didn't really talk about them. Uh, they get to the mat, and uh, unfortunately, uh, they're the last team to arrive. They didn't feel as bad about this one as the first one. I mean, the first cut is the deepest. Uh, we officially have, though, the Francesqua of the Amazing Race. Do we mm-hmm. not? Yeah, so uh, that let, let's talk about that a little, a little bit, because I know if we, if we don't get to explore that, uh, I feel like that uh, that's going to be the number one question that people are asking. Uh uh, Francesca goes out first on Survivor Redemption Island. Uh, she comes back and goes out on Survivor Caramel. I, I do think that there's like some very extenuating circumstances uh, with being paired up with Philip uh, for uh, the second time, ultimately, and uh, ultimately uh, the first time as well. And uh, you know, for for uh, you know, is that necessarily like uh, when we hear about the speed bump and we sort of like uh, you know, is that like a a fair uh, thing to label Michael and Mo with? I don't know if it's fair, but I think there's maybe a lot more. I think there's a lot more culpability here than there is with with Francesca mm-hmm. because Francesca. It, especially the second time around, it felt like she was being set up to do that. I don't think Michael and Mo in this instance, I think their undoing was entirely on themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also the first time uh, to go back to uh, another legend of the amazing race uh, was that she was put on a tribe uh, in kind of unfair circumstances with uh, Boston Rob returning to survivor. Yeah. And I think that she was one of the uh, few people that was uh, like not coming across as super enthusiastic that uh, Rob was going to be joining the tribe. And I think that that sort of put her uh, in a bad spot uh, then uh, like uh, just like out the gate. Yeah, I mean, if yeah. I if I was Francesca, I'd be way more bitter than if I was Michael and Mo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I would say Francesca in placement only. I mean, I think it has also begged the question. With absolutely no offense to Michael and Mo, you know, are they the one of the worst teams from just a racing perspective we have seen on the show? I don't think so personally. Mm-mm. Not yeah. even close. And. For Michael and Mo, I, I do wonder. Uh, I, I guess these are the thoughts that were going through my head uh, before we talked to them today. Where it sounds like you know the speed bump was like uh, a really big factor. You know, like I, I feel like that at worst, I, I feel like that they are an average, amazing race team. I, like I don't think that they seem like uh, objectionably bad in any uh, in any specific way, uh, other than putting up the pictures the wrong way in London, which I think was probably the worst thing that they did on the amazing race, then I don't really know like uh, what is like, uh, like, they do not strike me as a disaster team. No, they're definitely not a disaster. I mean, there was a team in, um, there was a team in amazing race Canada that quit two tasks in the same leg. Mm -hmm. So I think you're not even like they, they did all the tasks they were assigned. 
Mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing is that even if you go to other first boots, there was in season 13, uh, there was a pair called Anita and Arthur yep. who were married beekeepers who were like in their 70s. Uh, they wore tie dye a la Rupert Bonham. And if I recall correctly, like they were never even close to the pack. Yeah. The entire one leg that they ran. At least Michael and Mo were relatively competitive some portion of the time. Again, we're not saying that right. they're they're great teams, but I would not necessarily say, okay, let's look at the placements. They're automatically the worst team in Amazing Race history. Yeah. yeah. And another another set of circumstances that could have been solidly middle of the road. Yeah. And hypothetically, like, you know, that first task that they did wrong, like uh, if if that is like uh, you know, okay, like uh, put Velcro tiles on the wall. Okay. It's like, okay, now they have to rearrange it. I think that the problem for them really was like the wallpaper paste and the paper, and then just like the like the basically they had a puzzle that was like disintegrating. Uh, uh, in front of them and i think that there was really like once you screwed that up it was very difficult to now be able to like that one mistake just sort of like uh, snowball that being said though it was still a mistake sure uh, and so sure. They, they made the same mistake both times which i i think was fun from a storytelling perspective obviously not fun for them mm-hmm. from their own placement perspective but i do love this idea like you said rob of whatever happened happened you get this second chance and then you end up making nearly the exact same error that yeah. again, from the edited perspective ends up costing you the race in the exact same placement. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Next week, boy, Jess, it looks like that we're really going to ratchet things up next week. Looks like a fun time. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. Yeah. Are, are we staying in Switzerland or are we moving to another location? No, we are staying. Yeah, we're staying in Switzerland. Uh, the rest of the season, I believe, is going to have uh, two legs per country. So I think we are going to, if I recall correctly, oh, it looks pretty going- beachy at one point. I mean, Switzerland has beaches. There's water yeah. nearby. Uh, they're yeah, going they got- to. I be- yeah, Lake Geneva. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. I believe they're going to Lugano. Uh, Switzerland next week. And actually, if you click on the Wikipedia picture, there's a big ass lake there. Uh, so, yeah, I think it seems like we're going to get our first, like, I think, big, quote unquote, extreme, typical, amazing race task where they are walking down a dam. Uh, and it looks like Sherry, unfortunately, has to face <laughs> be a chicken. One. Yeah, exactly. Has to face it once more. So should be interesting. Uh, I am excited to see. Like I said, I think the amazing race got off on a good foot in what can be a very difficult and understandably complex time to produce this show uh i am very much all in on this version of the amazing race now and i'm really intrigued to see are our predictions going to bear out here is it just going to be these three teams dominating will some other teams sneak in will there be more variants but i think no more variants (laughs) no more variants but i think specifically from a production and a design perspective uh edit stuff notwithstanding i'm i feel good with where the race is at this point, which maybe I wouldn't be able to say after the first few episodes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, do we suspect that there could be a non-elimination or at least keep racing uh, going into the next episode? I'm guessing there's going to be at least one keep on racing legs because the, you know, they've already said we're not having any non-elimination well, legs. That's how they're getting around. That. Can I give a note on that? Because if you, if you, if you fine, you're going to do it, but do, do it. If you're going to spend two legs in one country, do it on the middle leg that you're staying in one country, because if you do it, like, let's keep racing. All right, everybody on the plane. And and now it's basically now we're going to just like, you you know, everybody's back on even footing, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, yeah, I, I think it's got to happen next week because I, I mean, to be frank, I was, and Jerry, I was very surprised that we had an elimination this week. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought they wouldn't necessarily have the gall to be like, hey, thanks for coming back after 19 months. Bye. Uh, <laughs> I was fairly surprised that they ended up doing that. Yeah. You know, uh, well, <laughs> Michael and Mo again, uh, you know, you would think that in the two hour premiere uh, that if you were gonna, if you were going to do a non elimination leg, you would have done it in the second hour. But it, somehow it always falls on Michael and Mo. I'm glad they took that bullet for yeah. us. Uh, they didn't get to sing at all the second time back. Rights issues. I'm sure Rights issues. It. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't work like, on any new music. I'm sure they did, but they're probably doing covers mostly. And mm-hmm. uh I mean, it's so odd that they're singing cops and they went out belting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. God. All right. All right. Uh, so, all right. Uh, that's where we're going to leave it for uh, the Amazing Race this week. Uh, no tar pit. Uh, just week coming up. Uh, a little bit of a, of a uh, week for Mike and Jess to catch their breath as we are now uh, back in full swing here on the Amazing Race. So we will be back again with you Next week to talk about uh, week four of The Amazing Race 33. Jess, uh, do you have anything uh, that you're working on this week? Um, Nope. I have a job, so I'm going to be doing my real job. That's okay. my other thing that I work on. All right. Uh, well, uh, great to be uh, back in full swing with exit interviews and everything uh, with you here this week. Uh, Mike, I know uh, that you must have something else in the hopper. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I th- how much time have you got, Rob? Mm-hmm. Exactly, imaginary jobs are my forte. Uh, yeah, so as I mentioned, the exit interview with Michael and Mo up at Parade.com. Get some more intel as to that unseen speed bump, their reactions to coming back. Very fun conversation as M and M and M got together as we coined ourselves over the course of the interview. Uh, and then over on post show recaps, usual stuff between the X Files, The Witcher, uh, the Book of Boba Fett. Reality TV crossover. We actually talked about this before coming on. Apparently, Dr. Will Kirby uh, was on the book. Who of knew? Literally, you knew, Rob, apparently. I was watching it last night with, uh, with my kids, and we usually watch it like on, when, on Wednesday night. I was like, oh, that guy looks just like Will Kirby. Uh, like, uh, probably, you know, n- not a great endorsement of, uh, you know, uh, if you spot Will Kirby, like looking like uh, he could be an uh, alien creature on Tatooine. Uh, but uh, lo and behold. Yeah, he went from, you know, maybe he beamed up to Planet Zing. Moved in with Zingbop for a bit and then found himself on the, the most Espa Cantina with Garza Flip. So we didn't talk about that on the podcast, but be sure to check that out. And I've actually launched new coverage of a show on Post Show Recaps. Is it um, Lost again, Mike? Yep, we're doing Lost one more time, but we're doing it backwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, there is. Is that show- how Phil called the teams? Like, we have to go back. Yeah, exactly. He has a big beard at the same time. The Amazing Race plane takes off behind him off the tarmac. No, we can't. We did get the flight number for the Amazing Race plane. Uh, Hopefully it's not any of the numbers associated with it. But uh, no, there is a new show that is coming to Amazon Prime next Friday called The Legend of Vox Machina. Uh, It is based on uh, Critical Role, which is like an incredibly popular online show uh, that plays Dungeons and Dragons. And so they took one of their Dungeons and Dragons campaigns and adapted it to the show. Uh, So if you're into fantasy, if you're into animation, I'm doing that with R. Philly, who is the classic dm dungeon master over on post show recap so check it out we're doing a kickoff show that's launching this friday that tells you everything you need to know about the show about critical role about what dungeons and dragons is and then we'll be covering it three episodes at a time once that airs so that's another notch in my belt 
if you will, when it comes to podcast coverage. There you go. All right. Uh, by the way, I was uh, back at it talking about Too Hot to Handle as uh, the queen of Hot Dummies on Islands, Kirsten McInnes, uh, joined Chappelle and I for a special crossover, Nothing But Netflix slash Season 3 of Too Hot to Handle, kickoff special on Rob as a Podcast on Wednesday night. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Kirsten is going to continue on with the Hot Dummies on Islands coverage of uh, Too Hot to Handle Season 3. Uh, plus, uh, I will be back with more Joe Millionaire coverage uh, this week. We'll talk about week three of Joe Millionaire, uh, myself and Jenny Autumn, plus uh, 90 Day Fiance going on as well. Don't miss our exit interview with Michael and Mo as uh, we start to look ahead to CBS Reality Celebrity Big Brother coming up around the corner. More and more promos are everywhere. Yeah. Uh, and more and more faces and names are popping up. Rumored. Uh, rumor, the rumor mill is fully in gear at this point. It is twirling much like the Swiss flag. And a lot of things are hitting the ground at this point. But I'm not sure what's sticking. But who knows? Maybe at the time we're talking this week, there there might be some actual concrete information. I'm not sure. Okay. I've been told that it's not a good look for an RHEP podcaster to get involved in Big Brother spoilers, so I'm just not even going there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We tend to uh, try to avoid it if we can. We frown on that. All right. Thank you so much for joining us here again uh, this week. We'll be back with more Amazing Race coverage uh, next time. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye. 